Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded and took his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. This morning I start a sermon series as well for the next three Sundays called The Christmas Scandal. The Christmas Scandal. The Christmas Scandal. Heavenly Father, I come to You in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what You've done this morning and the presence that we sense. We pray that uh, Your Word would go forth in power and boldness. And we pray that everything that's said and done would bring You the glory. And everyone said a great big Amen. So this morning I started a three-point sermon series or three-part sermon series called The Christmas Scandal. Will you say that with me this morning? The Christmas Scandal. Say it again. Look to your neighbor and say it's a scandal. Somebody say it's a scandal. Come on, look at your neighbor and say it's a scandal. Now, let me just remind you this morning that at first glance, at first glance, that sounds like an oxymoron. How in the world can Christmas be a scandal? How can Christmas be a scandal? Think about it. It's almost an oxymoron. How can Christmas be a scandal? Do you know what a scandal is? A scandal is an event or an action which is regarded as an event which is legally wrong, which is causes an outrage among the public. It's usually a moral action which causes an outrage among the public. That's a scandal. And if you look at the Christmas story, you usually don't think that the Christmas story is a scandal. You usually don't think it's scandalous. But I promise you, if you dig throughout the pages of this Christmas story, you will find it's a scandalous story. 
you will find that in this story there is some scandal going on. And I want to let you see what's going on in this story because it is quite profound. I want to share with you a scandalous story and I want to see God's grace. I want you to see a scandalous grace that's found in this story this morning. I want us to show, I want to show a backdrop of what's going on in this story. Do you know that the book of Matthew and the book of Luke are the only books in the, 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 the Gospels that record the story of the birth of Jesus? That's the only books in the New Testament that share the story of the birth of Jesus. And if you read the book of Matthew, you, you get a glimpse of the story of the birth of Christ. And then if you read the book of Luke, you get a glimpse of the story of Christ. But if you put them both together, you get a full picture. But what I want you to see this morning is that the Bible wasn't necessarily put necessarily in order. But the book of Luke should be read first. If you read the book of Luke first, and then you read this book of Matthew second, if you read it in that order, then you will have a complete story of the birth of Christ. So can we do that this morning? And without me reading it to you, I'm going to tell you the birth of the story of Jesus if you read it in order. I just read to you the story that's found in the book of Matthew, but if you go to the book of Luke and you read it first, and then you go to the book of Matthew and put the stories together, you get a completely opposite story. And I want to just give you the background of this scandalous story if you put the two stories together. How many's with me this morning would you say amen? Let me just tell you the story. If you put the two stories together, the story goes like this. It starts in the book of Luke, chapter number 1, of an angel appearing to a man called Zacharias. And the angel comes to Zacharias and says to Zacharias, hey man, you're going to have a baby. You and your wife are going to have a baby in your old age. Right? Zachariah is a priest. His wife's old. They've been praying for a baby. He goes home and tells his wife, an angel appeared to him, and they're going to have a baby. Well, guess what? Six months later, an angel, the same angel, we assume, appears to a virgin by the name of Mary. And this angel says to Mary, you're going to have a baby. And this woman, Mary, becomes, she becomes perplexed. She becomes disturbed. And she's like, how can I have a baby when I don't know a man? When I've never been with a man, she is troubled. Now, the Bible says, and Jeremy, if you could put it behind me, Luke chapter 1 and verse number 35, this is what the Bible says. So first, the story starts with the angel coming to Zechariah and telling Zechariah that you and your wife are going to have a baby in their old age. Six months later, the same angel tells a, a woman by the name of Mary she's going to have a baby, and she's a virgin. Okay? Luke chapter number 1, verse number 35. 
And the angel answered and said to her, this is Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you and therefore also the Holy One is to be born, is to be called the Son of God. Look at verse number 36. And the Bible says, Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has now conceived a son in her old age and is now six months for her who is called barren. Now do you see what's happening? Don't lose me. The angel came to Zechariah and said, you and your wife is going to have a baby. You're old. You're going to have a baby. Six months later, the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. And the angel said unto Mary, listen, your cousin Elizabeth is having a baby too. You getting with me? Now look at verse 56. Verse number 56 of chapter 1 says this. And Mary remained with her three months and returned to her house. Now this is very important that you get this. The story starts with the angel coming to Zechariah and saying, Zechariah, you and your wife are going to have a baby in your old age. Six months later, the same angel says to Mary, you're going to have a baby. And... Mary is perplexed. How is this going to be? I don't understand. I don't know a man. And the angel says, don't worry about it. Your cousin is old, and she's going to have a baby too. And so Mary is like, okay, I'm going to go stay with my cousin for three months. Why is she going to go stay with her cousin for three months? Six. She's going to stay with her to help her. Okay, so you see what's going to happen here. So Mary gets the word from the angel that she's going to have a baby. She leaves Nazareth without Joseph. Joseph, she is betrothed to. In other words, she belongs to Joseph. She's not married to him. She belongs to Joseph. In other words, they're getting married. It's almost as if they're already married. She belongs to Joseph. She leaves Nazareth and goes to her cousin's house. Let me see if you get this. Mary gets the word from the angel. She's going to have a baby. She leaves her house and she goes to Elizabeth's house and she stays there three months without Joseph's. Without Joseph. She stays there three months and she comes back to Nazareth and she is showing. And the story now picks up in Matthew where Joseph is troubled. Can I, can I tell you again? She receives the word from the angel. You're going to have a baby. So what does she do? She packs her bags and goes to her cousin's house for three months without Joseph. After the three months, she comes back to Nazareth and she is showing and the story picks up in Matthew and Joseph is troubled. Maybe you didn't get what I just said. She receives the word from the angel. You're going to have a baby. She packs her bags. 
she goes to stay with her cousin for how long? She leaves after three months, comes back to Nazareth, and now she is, and now Joseph is, Joseph now is troubled and he doesn't know whether he needs to take Mary as his wife because Jojo wasn't with Mary for those three months. Can I hear somebody say amen? So what are you saying? If you put the story together, you will find that during, listen, when she got the word, she wasn't showing she was not showing when she got the word. She had left for three months. She had come back. And now she is found to be with child. And now if you piece the story together, Joseph is troubled. He doesn't know what to think. And now the Bible says in the book of Matthew that the angel had to show up to Joseph and say to Joseph, don't be troubled, Joseph. Take Mary as your wife because the baby that she is carrying is of the Holy Ghost. Because what was Joseph thinking? Was she, she's probably not just visiting her cousin up in Judea. Come on, somebody. I don't know what she was doing at her cousin's house. Do you see what I'm saying? This is a scandalous story. I don't know about you, but if your girlfriend left for three months and came back without JoJo, and she was showing and said, oh, you know, the Holy Ghost told me I'm pregnant. You, you be like, baby, you belong to me. You didn't even invite me on your trip. You've been gone for three months. You hadn't texted me. You hadn't called me. You hadn't Facebooked me. You hadn't FaceTimed me. You've been gone for three months, and now you come back with a big old sweater, and you tell me the Holy Ghost has impregnated you? This is what you now call a scandalous story. Baby, I was just gone for three months with my cousin Elizabeth. And now, now you see why Joseph is troubled. Now, you see why Joseph is troubled because when Mary left three months ago, she was okay. But now Mary comes back after three months from being at her Elizabeth's house, she's pregnant. That's, it's scandalous to me. I mean, I would think it's scandalous. But just you know, every year we preach the same Christmas stories, but let's just press pause, rewind, and let all of us right now think about the Christmas story in the eyes of Joseph. Let's put yourself in Joseph's shoes and let's just think about how you will respond. 
let's, 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 I know we celebrate Mary. And let me just stop here. I mean, there's a whole religious movement that exalts Mary. I mean, Mary gets enough praise the way it is. I mean, there's people pray to her. She, she's exalted. But let's just back up a moment and let's view it from Joseph's side. How, I mean, Joseph is in a predicament here. Do you, do you realize that God will create a crisis sometimes to construct your character? And I believe that Joseph is in a, a place in his life that there, it's a crisis, but there is character being constructed in Joseph's life. I mean, let me ask you a quick question. What do you do in a predicament like this? Can you do the right thing when you feel like you've been done wrong? I mean, Joseph, feel like, Joseph feels like he's been disrespected. Here, Mary is supposed to be his wife. Mary has been gone for three months, and Joseph feels disrespected. Joseph feels disregarded. Joseph feels disregarded and dishonored. And there's one thing to a man, listen to me, there's one thing that's important to a man, and that is a man's honor. A man does not want to feel dishonored. And Joseph feels dishonored. He feels disregarded. Mary's been gone for three months, and now she's come back, and she says she's pregnant. It's no wonder Joseph can't sleep at night, and it's no wonder Joseph is troubled, and it's no wonder Joseph is tossing and turning upon the bed, and he's troubled. Should I marry this woman, or should I stone this woman according to the law? It's no wonder. What do you do? Can you do what's right when you feel like you've been done wrong? I mean, put yourself in His shoes this morning. Can you do the right thing when you feel like you've, you've been done wrong? And now, now, now listen, I know we know, I know that we know that Mary didn't do anything wrong, but listen, we're looking at it through the eyes of Joseph. Joseph don't know that yet. Joseph feels dishonored and disregarded and disrespected. She's been gone for three months and now she's back and she's pregnant and she says, quote unquote, the Holy Ghost has impregnated her and now Joseph is tossing and turning on his bed, distroubled and he's thinking, do I stone her according to the law? This man is very troubled. Can you do the right thing when you feel like you've been done wrong? I mean, what can we learn from Joseph this morning? I mean... It's a scandalous story. And from this scandalous story, we've got to look at the story from the eyes of Joseph. What can we learn from Joseph? We learn from Joseph this morning in this scandalous story. That, listen to me. This is when I was studying this story. Listen, church, I love the Word of God. I mean... I was studying even in the middle of the night and I had been gone all week and I was studying it this morning and I get so excited when I find new revelation. And as I was studying the Word, I, it just popped out to me because Matthew chapter 1, what can we learn from Joseph? Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. 
I want you to look at it. Matthew 1, verse 19. I want you to look at verse number 19. Matthew 1, verse 19. The Scripture says this, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Let me read that to you one more time. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. What is the first thing that you can learn about Joseph this morning in this scandalous story? Number one, you can learn that there are some things in your life that you need to keep private. There are some things in your life that you have to keep private, and there are some things in your life you have to keep personal. You don't put it all over Facebook. You don't put it all over Instagram. There are some things that you just keep private and personal. Now let me clarify what I mean by that. There are times in your life that you must speak up. When you have been abused and molested, and when there have been things that's been done to you, there are times you have to speak up and voice. But then there are times that you must refrain from things. Can I hear an amen? And you must use discernment. There are times in your life that you have to keep things personal and private. And Joseph used discernment. And he understood that I'm not going to make a public spectacle of her. I'm going to keep this private and personal. And I'm a firm believer that if the church can learn this, if we can take care of our problem behind closed doors, we wouldn't have the bad name that we have in the community. But what we have, we have people that run their mouths outside of the church. And because of that, the church is run down and nobody believes the church anymore because, because we don't know how to keep things private and personal anymore. But Joseph kept things private and kept things personal because he understood that's wisdom and that's discretion. The only reason that you would want to embarrass somebody is because you would want to take revenge because you felt disrespected. I'm going to say that again. The only reason that he would want to embarrass her is because he wanted to take revenge because he felt disrespected. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is when you expose somebody by embarrassment. But what you really do is when you walk in bitterness you are really showing your immaturity. And you know what Joseph is? Joseph is a prime example of somebody walking in spiritual maturity and realizing through discernment that there are some things I'm not going to expose because I am a just person. It's not because I think, I think they deserve it. I, I am a just person. He did what was right because he was right. Listen, there are some people I don't think deserve to be honored, but I honor them because I am an honorable person. Come on, somebody. There are some people, listen, you, I, I hear people say all the time, I, 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 I'm not going to shake their hand. I'm not going to, uh, listen, we do some things because that's our character, that's our nature, that's because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. He was a just man, and he did what was right, even in a fretful situation. Come on, somebody. He was a just man. The only reason 
that he did not embarrass her is because he was a just man. Because he was a man of character and a man of integrity. He wasn't going to embarrass her because he realized that the law of discretion is that you don't expose everything you know. You don't expose everything you know. Number two, what can you learn about Joseph? Now get this, verse number 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20. Look at what Joseph does. Matthew, look how troubled Joseph is. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Don't lose me here. Verse number 20. But while he thought about these things, did y'all get that? But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Number two, the second thing you can learn about Joseph is you've got to learn to think about things. You've got to learn to think about things. You see, the Bible says that Joseph thought about things. Somebody say he thought about things. I'm going to say this loud and clear. Your mind is a terrible thing to waste. I wish somebody would help this preacher to preach this morning. Your mind is a terrible thing to waste. And it amazes this preacher of how much of our mind we waste. It it's amazes to me that when your emotions override your intellect, you will always make a bad decision. Well, that deserves a hallelujah and an amen, a hand clap right there. When your emotions override your intellect, you will always make a bad decision. I'm going to say that again and maybe the rest of you will get on board with me and say, Amen, Pastor. When your emotions override your intellect, you will always make a bad decision. I'm going to say that again because it's really, really good. I mean, you should Facebook that and let everybody in your life know about that. When your emotions override your intellect, you will always make a bad decision. You know what the Bible says? Verse, look at it. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20. Look at it. Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 20. But while he thought about it. Who thought about it? Joseph thought about it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a powerful, liberating thought. Christians need to think about things. <laughs> Woo! I said Christians need to think about things. Do you know how many Christians operate out of their feelings? Do you know how many Christians always operate about their feelings? I don't feel like coming to church. I don't feel like worshiping God. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel, 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 feel. My God, why don't we just use our mind once in a while? Sometimes I think Pentecostals act like we're mindless. When your emotions override your intellect, you make a bad decision. God has given you a mind. Let's start using it. Let's start using it for creativity. Let's start using it for the Word of God. Let's start using it for discipline. Let's start using it. Come on, somebody. Let's start using it for the glory of God. Let's start using it for the things of God. 
He thought about it. And isn't it amazing? Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. And while he was thinking about it, the angel came. While he was thinking, the angel came. Not while he was feeling it, the angel came. Boy, if I can just feel the Spirit, maybe I can get an experience. No, as he was thinking, the angel came. That tells me that God has the ability to speak to you while you think. And sometimes God never speaks to us because some of us never think. Well, I'm preaching real good up in this Holy Ghost field, fire-baptized Pentecostal church today. I just got to give myself credit. I'm preaching to myself too, y'all know. I'm preaching to myself. While he was thinking. Now listen, when I preach, I'm preaching to myself. I ain't just preaching to you, it's me too. Because when you, when you think, the Spirit begins to speak. Now, isn't it interesting the Spirit spoke to Mary face to face but the Spirit revealed to Joseph in a dream. That tells me that God speaks to people in different ways. God doesn't speak to people in the same way. God spoke to Mary, in, the angel spoke to Mary face to face while Joseph had the experience in a dream. Number three, lastly, you got to surrender to God's plan. Verse number 24, guess what happens? Verse number 24, and in closing, Verse number 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep, look at it, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Do you see the immediacy of that? He took Mary as his wife. Now, that's interesting to me. You know why that's interesting to me? Because some people thought he was a fool. Why are you taking Mary as your wife? Because she's been gone for three months She's been gone for three months and you're going to marry her? And you know why I think that this is interesting? Because he was convinced. He was convinced that this was the will of God. And church, when you are convinced that something is the will of God, you will take a risk and you don't care what people will think about it. He was convinced it was the will of God. He didn't care what people thought about it. He didn't care what people said at the marketplace. He was convinced this was the will of God and the baby that she had in her womb wasn't because of a one-night stand. He really did believe her. It was born from above. The Bible says, get this, this is the climax of the sermon. This is the most, in my opinion, this is what ministered to me of the whole sermon. The Bible says in verse number 25, after he took her as his wife, verse number 25, and he did not know her. He did not know her and he brought, until she brought forth. In other words, he didn't have sexual intercourse with her until after the Christ child. Now, this is powerful. Joseph understood this principle that my presence 
can be an interference to what God is doing in her life. Your presence can be an interference to what God is doing in somebody else's life. He didn't know her. He didn't want to touch her. He didn't want to have intercourse with her. You see, sometimes what God is doing in somebody else's life, you, God is saying, you need to back away from them. Because what I'm doing in them and through them, you don't need to interfere in what God is doing in and through them. Sometimes we think we're a blessing to everybody. Sometimes we think that we need to be involved in everything. Sometimes we think we need to be involved in everybody's life. And sometimes a part of spiritual maturity is knowing this, that your presence can be an interference in what God is trying to do in somebody else's life. He did not know her. He didn't come in contact with her. Some things God is working on, you can't touch. Never allow your desire for someone to interfere in what God is doing for them and in them. Maybe this is a season for you not to know them. Maybe this is a season for you not to come in contact with somebody. But, but, but pastor, I, I want to I get close to them. Or pastor, I, I want to get to know them. No, 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 no. Maybe this is a season for you not to get close to someone because God is doing something in that person. Your presence can be an interference to what God is doing in somebody else's life. And isn't it interesting, look at this, verse number 25. Verse number 25, Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. He did not know her till she brought forth the firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. Now, this is, this is my point. If she was gone, get this point, get this, ready? Get this. If Mary was gone for three months at her cousin Elizabeth's house. Joseph could have easily smoothed it over. You know how? Joseph could have did this. Okay, Mary, we're going to solve this, we're going to solve this scandalous problem. We're going to name this baby Joseph Jr. Right? Because the father had the privilege of naming the child. So, so he could have easily smoothed it over and said, folks, because you all know they were talking in the marketplace, you know, you know that, you know, she was, she was down there at her cousin Elizabeth's house and you know she slept with old Willie. That's the word on the street. Jojo wasn't with her for three months. He could have solved it. He could have said, to, you know, the word of the street is she was with men for those three months. We're, I'm going to say it's my, it was my baby. We're just going to call him Joseph Jr. We're going to calm down the scandal. You know why he didn't do it? Because his name was supposed to be Jesus. And your name is always connected to your purpose. And the purpose of Jesus was to save people's sins. And Joseph said, listen, I'm not going to interfere with God's purpose. Hallelujah. 
I'm not going to interfere with God's purpose. You know what we can learn from the story of Joseph? Is that I refuse to interfere with what God wants to do in somebody else's life. Joseph said, I refuse to name that boy after me. That boy has a greater purpose. That boy has a greater purpose. I refuse to stand in the way of what God wants to do in that boy's life. Name that boy Jesus. For that boy shall save people from their sins. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas not because of gifts, and Christmas trees, and chocolate. We celebrate Christmas because Joseph named that baby Jesus. And that name Jesus means He shall save His people from their sins. And we are here today because every one of us can testify that He saved us from our sins. Hallelujah! Woo! Can somebody say hallelujah? I don't know about you, but is there anybody in the building that you can testify that God is good? God is great. Hallelujah. I still believe in Christmas. And the Christmas story is scandalous. But so isn't the grace of God scandalous. I want you to come next week for part two of the scandal of Christmas.